In these bleak days, humanity is at a breaking point. Economies are tanking. The woke mob is canceling everything. And the little guy who's just trying to run a small business is getting screwed from both ends. But not all is lost. Amidst the chaos, two men offer up their voices in the darkness, dropping 2,000-pound laser-guided truth bombs on today's lunacy. Introducing the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. There it is, Brad. 1982, I, I believe in early March, Wembley Stadium mm-hmm. is where that uh, is exactly where that yeah. uh, the version of the song was performed by uh, Fleetwood Mac. And uh, we'll get into the late, great Christy McVie later in the um, in the podcast here. But uh, beautiful rendition of the song. Yeah, there are few not beautiful renditions of the song, except that the one that uh, Mick Fleetwood performed solo and acapella after several Greyhounds. That one I would skip. But other than that, everyone enjoys Gypsy. Everyone does. And it's uh, we'll get into it a little bit more. But David Pridham and Brad Sheaf, we're back better than ever. We mean business. A lot of people this time of year start slowing down take their foot off the gas and, and just sort of cruise into uh, uh, the new year, the um, Yom Kippur, uh, Feast of the Assumption, all that good stuff. But we are going full board to the end. We're not taking our head up. We're not stopping. We're analyzing all the news that's out there, the business uh, items that could be uh, tidbits of interest for you and your family as you deck the Yuletide halls. Uh, also, Brad, the World Cup, uh, Brad and I are, um, following the World Cup. And if there are any updates during this live show, uh, we will bring them to you ourselves live. And we'll explain what it means. Yeah, or at least we'll try, buddy. We'll try. Uh, of course, we mean business, uh, as we do each and every week. Uh, you can learn more about our show on our website, which we've set up just for you. And you can go there and you can have a customized experience. Customized experience at ipfrequently.com. Enjoy it. Most people who uh, go to the site spend two, three, four hours just perusing, and, and we encourage you to do that as well. And of course, you can follow us on social media at ip underscore frequently anywhere you get your social media. We don't care if it's uh, the Twitter, the Instaface, if it's the TikTok, if it's one of those soft core porn sites. Put it at IP underscore frequently and you'll get uh, you'll get an eyeful and earful. And then, of course, there are those of you out there who are more conventional and old fashioned and who like to do things the way their grandfathers did it. And they consume their media in the form of a podcast. We always start out, especially this time of year, with uh, with the big news of the day. And one of the things you tend to see at the end of the year, as you know, because you were a uh, you were an employee of the federal government for a number of years where you were out there busting up cartels, the team that fixed the McDonald's lottery deal, the Monopoly game. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, what we try to do in the news is point to things that are going on in the world that could potentially impact um, our our audience, of course, the the folks out there who who are making the big bucks running small businesses, but also making the big decisions and being screwed by the government uh, from 
pretty much any uh, any end. Um, mm. So what we really also like to focus on, it, 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 you and I love a good conspiracy, right? We love it. Sure. Yeah. And we most of them. More. No, I mean, listen, most conspiracies are true. That's one thing we've learned on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and most, I, I would say about 98% of the conspiracies I've heard about, including Bigfoot and the Yeti, have proven to be true in some way, shape, or form. And so now we're in the middle of this big crypto market. You know, everyone got into crypto over the last couple of years. It was valued at, you know, 50, 60 bucks for Bitcoin and the Dogecoin with the little monkey thing on it. And then they had the donkey, the the, the weird animal, unicorn, whatever it was. And all of it's in the toilet now. And you have all these companies like FTX filing for bankruptcy and you have the FBI involved and you have the Department of Justice looking to indict all these former CEOs and the folks that, uh, you know, sort of created a gigantic global Ponzi scheme. Um, But now there is a conspiracy afoot and crypto whiz kids, the CEOs of some of the high flying crypto companies uh, are dying mysteriously. Hmm. And they're, they, they seem to be linked. They're all young men. And um, these are untimely deaths. And uh, what we're seeing is a number of these deaths that are coinciding with the slip in value of Bitcoin. And many of these people, many of these CEOs are taking to the grave with them the uh, codes needed to unlock the large crypto vaults that were worth billions a year ago and are now worth not quite that much. Um, But it's a a troubling, it's almost as if like, you know, 15 or 20 major league baseball general managers just started dropping dead, you know, bicycle crashes and drawn and quartered and by a bus. Um, so it's, it's disturbing. And I thought what we could do is maybe go into some of this because obviously it's a global conspiracy, which we like it's cryptocurrency, which we don't understand. Um, but it's, you know, something that, you know, you've done for a living and I, and I'm wondering if we can't get to the bottom of this on this episode. Well, buddy, there's a medical term for what is happening here, and it's called "you stole all my my money, so I killed you." Itis mm-hmm. is what is happening there. Yeah, so you want to be careful if you set yourself up as some sort of an investment fund or brokerage house, things of that nature, especially if the investment is going to be made in a bunch of technical gobbledygook that no one understands. And somehow you convince people to pour millions of dollars into that. Good for you. But then you have to come out later and say, hey, I made all of this up and I'm sorry, but you've lost all the money you've invested. However, I am going to keep it as well as all the things I've purchased with it. When you see that occur, then you also tend to see cases of you stole all my money, so I killed you, itis increase. Yeah. And it's something what's what's interesting about this is this is not unprecedented, right? Back in the 1980s, I grew up in in Rhode Island and there was a point in time where 15 or 20 Italian Americans um, died of mysterious uh, uh, causes over a period of about six months. And they were all the guys that would have to go. And they were the ones who were collecting the coins at the laundromat. And so there was a lot of stuff. So anyway, that it's happened before mm-hmm. um, and smaller scale, probably. And I don't think anything, any of that stuff was registered on the blockchain. Um, no bots involved or, or mini contracts, or whatever that's called, smart contracts. But the same thing, you take a couple of quarters, and you're not made. Boom, you're gone. And then you're gone. You're done. Yeah. No, you, you died of the itis, my friend. So here, here's what we've got. Here's what we have so far. TNTN Cullender. 
right? 30 years old, founder of Amber Group, a cryptocurrency trading platform valued at $3 billion, died unexpectedly in his sleep on November 23rd. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's one, okay? Nikolai Mashigian, Nikolai Mashigian, 29, died on October 28th, hours after tweeting that he feared the CIA and Mossad were going to murder him. Uh, he was found on a beach in uh, California after claiming on the Twitter that uh, the CIA and Mossad would, quote, torture me to death. There's 28. Gerald Cotton, 30 years old, died. He's, he's one of the guys that went to his death with the keys needed to access crypto assets worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, he was on his honeymoon in India with his wife, and uh, he uh, died in the, uh, in the honeymoon. Matthew Mellon uh, died of a heart attack while preparing to check into drug rehab in Cancun, Mexico. He too, Brad, went to his death with the keys necessary to access 200 million in crypto currency. And so it seems to me, and then these are all guys are on 30 years old and seemingly good health, except for the guy going to rehab. He was probably on a bender. Um, but it seems to me that you have a lot of young people dying of mysterious circumstances surrounding like the heart. Uh, and one would think that these are all they're clearly all tied together and that these are crypto leaders. And it could be that, uh, you know, some of these pu- people at some of these state investment funds like California, where they're very aggressive, by the way, they're very aggressive. Um, maybe they've got together and said, you know, no more. We're going to take things into our own hands and, uh, you know, TCB, take care of business. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just telling you, buddy, I don't care what Fauci says. I don't care what the CDC says. No amount of mask wearing is going to save you if you catch a case of you stole all my money, so I killed you, itis. Yep. And, and now I also give you, Brad, the Winklevoss twins. Remember those guys, the Winklevoss twins? I don't believe I do. I think I would remember a Winkle. They name like Winklevoss. Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. These are two guys who went to Harvard. They were on the national um, rowing, sculling team, rowing team, whatever you call it. And uh, they were on the national team. I think they sculled in the Olympics or something. Um, and they were the two guys that came up with the idea for Facebook and, 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 Zuckerberg was hired by them to develop, uh, you know, a, a, a digital um, uh, yearbook where people could update their lives and all this stuff. And so they ended up suing Zuckerberg. They took the money they made from that litigation, which is, I think, like 100 million, put it all into crypto. Okay. And yeah, yeah. And, and at one point they were worth like 30 something billion dollars. And now their their um, their their net worth has crashed uh, and they are in the middle of a big fight uh, over some. Bitcoin exchange they created called Gemini, Gemini. Uh, and ah, so the twins, but the I twins see, that, see the connection there, Gemini, the, the twins. Oh twins, yeah. Gemini. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The only issue, Brad, is the twins are still alive at this point. But the question I have for you as someone who's done this before, uh, should they go into hiding? And if so, where, and would it be hiding if they, if you told everyone? Well, right. It's not hiding if everybody knows where you are, right? I mean, it's there, as you well know, when you have little kids, you know, they like cover their head and they think because they can't see you, you can't see them. That's not really hiding. I can tell you from a professional perspective. So you're going to want to do a good job of hiding and tell no one. And in fact, you may even want to split up. But my advice to everyone is just stay away from these Winklevoss twins, right? I mean, they, they can literally turn a pile of gold into a pile of dog shit like that. Right. They had Facebook. They screwed that up. They got $100 million from that and they invested it in the crypto. And now it's worth, you know, nothing. So 
They also serve, now this doesn't do you much good if they're hiding because you can't see them, but they basically serve as an inverse compass, right? If they if their decision is to go this way, you should go that way. It's the That's Costanza, the, way the Costanza principle. Exactly. Whatever he does, you do the opposite or whatever his instinct is, you do the opposite. Right. You know, the other idea, and I don't know if, if this is something we could even say on cable radio, but the Winklevoss twins are sort of, other than that little midget guy who's over in the Bahamas. I don't think you can say that. Which part? I didn't even get to the part where I was going to ask you if I could say. Well, I mean, you strung midget and guy together. I mean, midget oh, is shoot. a pejorative. Guy Morph. is, you know, Sorry. a gender-based yeah. pronoun. I mean, can let we me, do? Let, we got to do better. Let me clean it up. That little dwarf right. in the Bahamas running around. Other than him, they seem to be the only crypto people left. So the question is: Are they sort of the Michael Corleone of this whole deal, sitting back in you know in Lake Tahoe while someone you know takes out the Rosado brothers? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to imagine that guy running around the Bahamas. I've seen a picture of him. It's hard to imagine him competently managing anything more complex than getting the peanut butter and jelly on opposite sides of two pieces of bread so you can put them together and not you know, get your hands messy as you eat it. So putting together a conspiracy is probably out of reach for that guy, but that's just a guess. He could be crazy like a fox. Next, Brad, we've got a big update. Remember last week we talked about uh, the the case of Sam Brinton, who is the uh, who is the um, one of the nuclear advisors to the president of the United States. Ah, yes, non-binary. Yes, and yes. Uh, of course, Sam was busy over the Thanksgiving holidays stealing a twenty three hundred dollar Vera Bradley suitcase from baggage claim number six at Minneapolis St. Paul Airport. But uh, we now have the update that apparently. Brinton used the suitcase uh, continuously over a few weeks period after the theft and then uh, finally had to give it back, uh, give it back up. Um, We also have an update that the reason the highest ranking uh, official in this department of uh, Biden's uh, Department of Energy, this this sub department, whatever you call it, on nuclear uh, um, waste management. Um, was in uh, the land of 10,000 lakes to speak at an LGBT college student engineering event uh, and also to host a spanking seminar at a kink conference just weeks later uh, as well, um, using the nu- the nickname Nuclear Nerd. Um, it, apparently, this is a fetish um, seminar called Spanking in all caps. And... Um, uh, I guess the head of this subdepartment of the DOE under the Biden administration was uh, there to give this demonstration, Brad, on how to spank other human beings. I, I wonder if, if a couple of things come to mind here, but I, I wonder if um, uh, Brinton, who presented the class physics of kink uh, at the spanking conference, I wonder if um, the, this shouldn't be the person that we have advising the president on, on any aspect of uh, nuclear policy. Well, buddy, my initial guess would be no, right? That we we don't probably we're probably not looking for that person, binary, non-binary, whatever the case may be, advising the president really on on anything other than you know maybe maybe spanking. Now I don't I don't know what Joe and Jill are into there. I, I never want to know. In fact, I would run from the opportunity to be told anything about that. But I I do admire the fact that this individual 
who in every picture I have seen is bald headed with a mustache wearing red lipstick and stripper shoes. I do appreciate the fact that they recognize their need for sturdy luggage. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be globe hopping between conferences on safely disposing nuclear waste and spanking another adult human being for pleasure, you need sturdy luggage. Well, listen, our, our crack staff has got the, uh, the, the syllabus from the physics of kink class that uh, uh, our Department of Energy official, Sam Britton, taught while, by the way, being a top advisor to the president on uh, uh, nuclear uh, issues. Uh, the physics of kink, and I'm quoting here from the, uh, the uh, catalog, whether it is the thermodynamics of wax play, the tension forces of bondage, the magnetic fields of electroplay, or the Newtonian physics of spanking. Physics is a pivotal part of the kink experience. Come learn the nerdy side of all your favorite kinks, including the soon-to-be-published paper <laughs> on, the sp- uh, on the spring force constant calculation of a butt under the impact of spanking. With 10 minutes of demos and questions and answers taught by Sam Brinton. So there it is, Brad. Um, I wonder when you were a, a federal employee, were you teaching any courses like this? Nobody, no, I, I sadly, I was not. Uh, most of my courses were focused, you know, sort of around the professional pursuit in which I was engaged. Um, but certainly I'm sure, look, I, I mean, you must have tons of time on your hand when you're in charge of advising the president of the United States on the disposal of nuclear waste, right? I mean, that cannot be a job that is A, important or B, time consuming. And so my guess is you probably have plenty of time and you should spend it wisely. And the thermodynamics of wax play is really critical uh, to a lot of people's, you know, sort of well-being and peace of mind. And I appreciate our, our federal employees taking time to get that squared away. Well, Brad, our staff has also found um, Sam Brinton's profile on the gay fetish hookup app Recon, which is the one app you won't find IP underscore frequently on, uh, where (laughs) Sam Brinton, the Department of Energy official, describes himself as uh, a proud MIT graduate and lover of my long term. And this is a quote here, submissive uh, husband, love to keep him tied up and ready to be used as needed. I am sadistic but will always respect limits and I'm happy to push them as you need. <laughs> Bondage and control are my fortes, flogging, chastity, fisting, electro. I've done them all and will happily put you through them. My passion for kink comes through getting a guy to a fun, submissive headspace. So there it is, Brad, uh, your tax dollars at work. And, um, you know, it, 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 it is nice to see the openness with which this gentleman, well, um, is is willing to be with his with his feelings. There are a lot of people that sort of suppress um, some of their emotions and feelings, but it seems Sam Brinton is not one of them. I'm not sure if it's so much suppression, buddy, or it's just a polite quiet about the freakish <laughs> things that you do with your time, because nobody else. Wants to hear it, right? I mean, look, everybody's got their thing. You know, you do, I do, but most people have the sense and courtesy to just, you know, keep that to themselves. I think, buddy, we should give an old 
We mean business, Prettyman Chief, IP frequently, tip of the cap to the Department of Energy folks doing Mr. Britain's background. I mean, nice job, fellas. <laughs> Certainly, this is the uh, kind of person we're going to want to give a very high security clearance to. No opportunity for them to be leveraged by a foreign power <laughs> because of their, uh, you know, their background or their side gigs. I mean, certainly this is someone we should trust with DOE level secrets. I mean, these, these, this is the organization that manages our nuclear weapons. They have levels of clearance over there that, that even members of the military do not have. And so, again, tip of the cap to the folks doing Mr. Britain's background, way to elevate top-level people in your organization and just get the job done. And look, and the good news is the Republicans have come out with a letter saying that they are demanding that the deputy uh, assistant secretary of energy, Sam Britton, be terminated uh, because of this theft of the two thousand uh, dollar suitcase. Although when you start to peel back the onion here, it seems like that's the least of uh, it should be the least of their concerns. But uh, well, um, I mean, they got Al Capone for tax <laughs> evasion, buddy. I mean, this is this is how you do it. So. Yeah. Well, next, Brad, we've got a big update on the um, uh, remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about the guy that killed all the people because of the lack of duck sauce. I do. Yeah, I do. So it turns out that the gentleman uh, in question was rather short in stature. And there is now a new a new study out Mm -hmm. from the um, the Waverly Institute. And um, the uh, Waverly Institute has determined that short man syndrome is a real thing that smaller people have psychopathic and narcissistic tendencies that help them appear more powerful despite the fact that uh, they lack height um and the uh researchers have investigated this and they've uh, d- identified a link between height and lack thereof and don't what they call dark triad traits um and so you know, they also talk about Machiavellianism, Brad. Um, and, uh, and and so you, 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 they're basically they've found this Waverly Institute, right? The way are you familiar with their work? I don't believe I am, but I yeah. am now, I guess, you, at least with this work. You are now. So yeah. um, this is a this is a big deal. And this could be a big breakthrough in this um, in this uh, duck sauce case. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I would think the investigators would want to take a look at this, although I believe they have. You know, most of the subjects under wraps. And so, I don't know this dark triad thing. I don't know. Are you familiar with the dark triad? Well, I, I am a little bit. As you are aware, I have a sister who is a, a psychologist and a professional counselor and deals with trauma. Uh, frankly, she's of all the hard things that I've done in my life. Everything she does is much harder. And uh, so she 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 and I have had conversations about this in the past because many of her patients suffer from one or more of the elements of the dark triad. But I am no expert. So, yeah. So it's it's narcissism, psychopathy and Machiavellianism. And apparently that is something that's found more commonly in short people than um, taller people. And also certainly you and I don't suffer from any of that. And we're, uh, you know, we're a couple of. Tall drinks of water. Size guy. Yeah, exactly. Tall drinks of water. So we don't have any of those issues. But but also a uh, a desire for condiments is something else that seems to have come out of this Waverly report. So, well, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on it and uh, see what happens. But I thought we'd uh, it's it's always good. Whenever the Waverly team comes out with one of these reports, it's always good to take a close look at it. Yeah. I mean, I think we can expand that now to the dark quad. 
right? With the narcissism, the psychopathy, the uh, Machiavellianism, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a deadly thirst for condiments. Correct, correct. Next, Brad, an update on, uh, I'm not exactly sure where this falls in, but it falls in somewhere. And I don't know whether it's the uh, um, the asteroid deal, you know, the asteroid still, as far as I know, careening towards Earth, it could hit at any moment, mm-hmm. um, or if it's some PETA deal, but more than 2,500 um, dead Caspian seals, Caspian seals mm-hmm. were found off the coast of uh, uh, the Caspian Sea in Southern Russia. Uh, the officials said that the animals, all 2,500 of them, died of natural factors, and there are no signs of killings or poisoning by metals or some Ukrainian um, uh, participation in some sort of a mass suicide. There's also no link to the Winklevoss twins, although I would not put it past them. Yeah, And most of the seals, when you look at them on the beach, they're kind of cute. They look like they're sleeping, although I assume at some point some wolves or something are going to come down and just tear them to shreds. But uh um, I mean, I, I, it sort of started out as a feel-good story, but now I think it's probably a, a major, a major tragedy. I mean, these are these are endangered seals. We, if only the Waverly Institute would look into this. I mean, that's probably the next step here. Did the seals have a cache of duck sauce that they were concealing? I mean, don't you need seal blubber to make duck sauce? Uh, that I don't know, but it's possible. Next, Brad, an update on the uh, you know the. Um, there's a big royal tour going on in the country where the king and um, the prince and the duck duchess are let go. They went to a Celtics game the other night and they're in the U.S. And then the, the Megxit team is making their own movie on Netflix. But but King Charles has had a rough week. Um, he's done. He does a number of what he calls walkabouts. Hmm. Right. Where he just, mm-hmm. you know, he walks around and he'll talk to the commoners. He'll get advice on how to rule the British state, you know, and, and, and yeah. things like that. Sure. Why not? But apparently now a couple of times, once in, in York, which is a little uh, uh, hamlet in uh, the United yeah, Kingdom. That's where they make the peppermint patties. Correct. And then again, in London, uh, he has had individuals hurl eggs at him. Uh, now, twice in a month, uh, King Charles has been on the uh, receiving end of an egging. Um, not rotten eggs, but just eggs. And they ruined a perfectly nice cashmere coat the last time. This happened. And I mean, listen, York and York is one of the bellwether. If, if the people of York aren't behind the monarchy, I don't know how it can survive. Well, I don't either. I mean, no one in York is in a bad mood, generally speaking. They have access to all of these peppermint patties, which are refreshing and nutritious. They're a nice little afternoon pick me up. And as a result, I don't blame the good king for going to York to sort of start his walkabout tour because you would think you would get a nice pleasant, well-tempered reception there, but no, boop, egg right to the face, <laughs> all over the cashmere. And buddy, I, I think at this point, all you can say is, God save the king. God save the king. That's right. The d- good news is the Queen of Cornwall was nowhere to be found. I believe she was off having a spot of tea. Yeah. Uh, next, next, Brad, big uh, RIP report this week. Um, so Christine McVie, uh, one of the great uh, members of Fleetwood Mac, Fleetwood Mac. Um, Stevie Nicks, I think, is still alive. Yeah, she is, as far as I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But one of the great one of the great bands, I, I believe she was uh, also from York, uh, although she was not in any way tied to the egging of the king. Um, but uh, it, it seems like we're seeing more and more some of the iconic rock legends of the past uh, uh, passing away. Yeah. I mean, it's making us both feel old. I mean, all of our you know sort of rock 
stars of, of our youth, those that we followed, those that we enjoyed are slowly but surely sliding, some gracefully, some less so, into the great beyond. And, and that is, uh, generally speaking, a bummer. Yeah. You know what I saw, though? I saw a nice video from New York. They're, they're doing, they're, I guess there's a new play out about the life and times of um, Neil Diamond. And he he re- re- retired five years ago because he got Parkinson's disease. And um, he's sick and he's like 80 something. Um, but he attended the play. And then at the end of the play, he sang Sweet Caroline from the balcony. And the whole place is going up and, and, and they're singing with them. And it was actually a nice, the cast was out there singing with him. It was a nice tribute. He actually, you know, I, I he looked good. He looked good. Did he? Well, yeah. Good. Well, I mean, that's what I like to hear. We, we, we got to hang on to as many of these folks as we can because they are going far too quickly. That is correct, especially if they're tied to crypto. But that's another story. Finally, Brad Christie Alley, the uh, actress who played uh, on Cheers and she was in some a bunch of movies. I believe she was at one point she had an amorous relationship with one of the Hardy boys, although I'm not sure which one, um, mm. but uh, she passed away at 71 following a brief bout with cancer again she was if you remember the show cheers there was the shelly long character who no one could stand mm-hmm. no one could she's what she did one of those contract things where she basically dared them to replace her and they replaced her so they, no one ever no one ever saw did. her again and yeah. they brought in kirstie mm-hmm. allen and she was more well liked and she made a ton of money and uh the rest is uh is gold jerry gold yeah oh the rest is as they say history you and i have frequently emulated uh, you sort of the cheers approach to life, whereas we're traveling about the globe, we pick a, a bar, a, an establishment. It's a good way to go. And therefore, I appreciate the effort that Miss Ali put in to making that TV show. And she is, as is usually the case with these things, gone too soon, my friend. Amen. Next, Brad, we may have to have our dear friend Rob Clark back on. Oh, good. I certainly hope so. Friend of the show, Rob, the lone gunman, Rob Clark. Apparently, as you know, back in 1992, there was this whole uh, records review board that looked at all the Kennedy records and uh, required that all of them be released in 25 years. And the only person that could delay it was the president. And of course, 25 years later, 2017, Trump's in office. He delays it because of national security concerns. They released some documents, but not nearly all of them. Now it turns out that uh, President Biden has given the archives until uh, this December 15th to recommend what, if anything, should be released by December 15th. So there could be a treasure trove of documents coming down the pike uh, related to the JFK assassination. And uh uh, I mean, this is this is exciting. The smoking gun could be in this uh, trove of documents. Now, it's also possible that Biden just forgets um, or you know, just decides not to go through with it. But uh, this could be compelling stuff, more maybe more compelling than uh, the whole QAnon thing with JFK Jr. coming back. So it, it's, it's something to keep an eye on. But uh, we may want to get uh, Rob in here to help break down and analyze those documents, because I assume as soon as they come up on the uh, archive site, he's going to be the first one there to read them. Well, that would be my guess. I mean, he's probably already in line there. I mean, he's counting on Biden not forgetting, which is a, a risky roll of dice for the man of his age and obvious mental capacities. But if there is a line, I guarantee you Rob is either at or near the front and he's going to get in there. He's going to sort through those things. He's going to organize them alphabetically by size and color. 
and he will review them. And then I'm sure he will get with us and let us know, you know, kind of what happened there. The, uh, the post-mortem, as they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the one question is, why are they still holding back these archive documents? I mean, Castro's dead. LBJ is dead. They finally killed Nixon. He's dead. I mean, what, what, what are the national concern, security concerns around? I mean, could there actually be anybody in these files that's still with us? Well, but I, I, again, I, I have no good answer for you. I mean, we clearly don't care about national security at this point. I mean, we've got Brinton over there at the Department of Energy in his you know, platform heels prancing about with stolen luggage. And so if that's where we are at the Department of Energy, I don't know why the archives cannot see fit to release these documents, but buddy, maybe, maybe they're, you know, maybe it's just going to blow the lid off of something, right? I mean, to your point, all the players are dead. Uh, it is history long past. It will be what? 50 years come next year. That'd be 60, 60. And I, I, I stand corrected. It'll be 60 years come next year. So I, I don't know other than just for folks like Rob, who are really into it, who cares anymore, but uh, you know, certainly at the archives, I'm sure they have their reasons. Yeah. I guess we'll find out, but it's probably good if we reach out to Rob Clark and, and get that in the works. Cause he takes a while to book. Well, Brad, in the spirit of the holidays, here's a feel-good story for you out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee, of course, the um, home of the Brewers. Mm-hmm. Laverne and Shirley. Mm-hmm. Schlotz, Schlotz, Schlotz Brewery? Schlitz? Schlotz. Schlitz. Schlotz. Schlotz. Schlotzky. Uh, Brad, well, this is, this is, uh, this is one that uh, sort of warms the cockles of your heart. A 10-year-old Milwaukee boy uh, asked his mother uh, for a virtual reality headset. Uh, recently, his name has not been uh, identified because when he was arrested, he, uh, uh, in charge as a juvenile, he was in a detention facility and they can't. Um, but when the mother refused, he shot her in the head and then logged onto her Amazon account and ordered the, the next day, the thing for the next day, um, delivery. And it arrived right about the same time the police did and they took him away. But it, it, it seems to me, and you're seeing more and more stories like this where kid 10 years old, where kids have no idea, no inkling of the value of human life. And they think everything is so um, set against them uh, that uh, they can take these seemingly drastic steps and, uh, and, and there'll be no ramifications. Or if they do think there are ramifications, maybe they have short man's complex. But uh, uh, it, it just seems to me that you see a lot of these stories every week and they're, it, it, it's, it's really tragic. Well, buddy, it is tragic, but it's also predictable. I mean, that is what we are teaching through our public schools and through our television programming and et cetera, et cetera, video games that, you know, you, you, there, there aren't going to be no ramifications for your actions. You should be allowed to do whatever you want. You should be allowed to live your truth, to determine your truth. And I, but I'm no psychologist. I, I don't know, but it, and I don't play video games. I know you don't either. But it seems to me, I mean, nothing is is more, you know, sort of frustrating and troubling than, you know, someone finds out you have a, a background in, in the military and law enforcement. And I, no word of a lie, I've been asked this a bunch of times. I don't know how many by some kid who's like, well, is it is it like, you know, war games or or call of honor or, you know, do your duty or whatever these freaking video games are, you just look at them and go, no, it's not like that. You're, you, you know, it's, you're 
cold and tired and hungry and hurt. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you lose people that are dear to you. It's, it's not like your freaking video game. And when you get asked questions like that, it, it, you, you do have to kind of wonder, like, are we desensitizing the kids who play these games to violence? Right. I mean, I've, I've heard arguments on both sides, but when a kid can look at you, honestly, you know, a 10 year old kid can look at you and go, is it, is this what it's really like? And you have to look at them and go, no, it's, it's, it's not like that at all. Uh, next, Brad, the, the country of Papua New Guinea recently, this week, had an unprecedented thing happen to it. The uh, United Nations was in there conducting a, um, a census, I believe, for the Waverly Institute. And uh, they came in there and they, they you know, Papua New Guinea and the, the, the president has always assumed that the number of uh, people living in Papua New Guinea was 9.4 million. Well, it turns out, based on this new study by the U.N., that uh, the uh, population is about double that. It's 17 million. So they were way they were way off. And uh, I guess the prime minister has had to admit now that he didn't know how many people lived on the island. Um, and, uh, and and so the whole thing is sort of in a flux. But thanks to the United Nations Population Fund, uh, the uh, population of Papua New Guinea has doubled overnight from 9.4 million to 17 million. And this may have a positive, uh, uh, positive impact in that this could increase the amount of funds flowing to Papua New Guinea from the UN. Well, let's hope so. But I mean, obviously, they've been shorted over these last few years. You would think they would have taken their own census at some point in time to get that figured out. But hey, if the UN is going to do it for you and they're going to do it for free, I guess I don't blame them. My question is, how do you know that you're actually the prime minister of Papua New Guinea if you only thought there were nine million some odd folks? My, my guess is if their elections are anything like ours, that you know maybe 50 percent turnout. And so if they thought they had nine million and thought they had 50 percent turnout, that's really only about 25 percent turnout. And maybe all the rest of these people you didn't know exist don't like you. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they would have voted for someone else if you had known they existed and you had provided access to a ballot box for them. So, uh, you know, it's a high risk operation for the current prime minister. I mean, the good news is on the plus side, um, Papua New Guinea has broken through to the uh, semifinals of the World Cup. I can announce that now. Uh, It just happened live. So that's exciting. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had double the number of people they thought they did. Of course, their soccer team's good. People, those shirts are going to go off the shelves like crazy. Indeed. Uh, Next part, have you ever heard of the cocaine bear? I don't think I have. So there's a new movie out called The Tale of the Cocaine Bear, which is basically the uh, this is is Ray Liotta's last film, right? Who was on our RIP report not too long ago. But apparently some drug smugglers dropped some cocaine into a forest to evade the DEA. And then they went back to get it. And it turns out this bear had eaten a bunch of the cocaine and was incredibly effed up. And then he chased and killed all these drug dealers and like ripped off their hands. And, you know, they basically killed all of them. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it turns out that the cocaine bear is a true is from a true story where uh, someone was apparently flying over Florida in the mid 80s and dropped 77 pounds of cocaine uh, onto the um, into the Everglades. And um yeah, I guess uh, the bear got a hold of the 77 pounds of blow and uh, ate it or most of it. 
and then uh, went on to kill a bunch of people. But and he was on cocaine at the time. Well, that'll happen, right? I mean, you drop 77 pounds of Coke on a bear, you're looking for trouble. I mean, again, I don't, I'm not an expert in these things. I'm not an expert in a bear. I'm not an expert in the Coke. I'm not an expert in dropping Coke on a bear. But my guess, based on just my, my life experience, is that if a bear eats 77 pounds of Coke, <laughs> you are looking for trouble with that. At that point, he means business. He does. He means business. And my guess is he pees frequently. Oh, you would think you would think. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, he killed all the bad guys. And so the cocaine bear movie looks like a good one for those who are looking for a good holiday. Certainly movie. better than that freaking Winnie the Pooh slasher movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the last bear movie we talked about. It was not uh, it was scary, scary. Yeah. Finally, finally, Brad, a feel good story for the ages. Um, we will end on this today. The story of Jonathan the tortoise. Have you have you heard of Jonathan the tortoise? I don't believe I have. Now, now, Jonathan was not on 77 pounds of cocaine, although, you know, probably wouldn't have been the worst thing. Um, but uh, Jonathan and this is this came out of the this was sent to us after a couple of weeks ago. We talked about remember the sperm that uh, was frozen for 30 years and then they went ahead and planted it, implanted yeah. it, mm -hmm. implanted it, planted but, or implanted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Well, this uh, turtle basically looked at those two little um, embryos and said, hold my beer. Mm -hmm. Jonathan is the world's oldest tortoise. Oh, OK. I don't know how we know that, but uh, tip of the cap. Well, well, we know that because his handler has been uh, around this whole time. So how old would you guess the world's oldest tortoise is? 106. Incorrect. I don't know. This is good. This is good cable radio right here. God, guess yeah, again. Is. Guess again. Well, was I high or low? Oh, you're, you're way low. Way low. Why? And his handler's been around this whole time. Well, good that's a different. That's a, I yeah. think there are multiple handlers, probably oh, three okay. or four. Well, as long as they kept a log. It's fine, like a chain of custody. Uh, 152. That's low, too. 190. He is the oldest known living land animal on Earth. 190. Okay. Born in the 1800s, he's lived on the island of St. Helena um, since 1882. Uh, his age is an estimation, but his shell measurement documented from a photograph taken when he arrived in St. Helena uh, show that he was fully mature in at 1892, least, at least 50 years old when he arrived from the show. <laughs> 1882. It's a hell of a photograph. Nice. All 18, right. No, 1882. Okay. All although, right. it's, although it's likely he's even older than 190. Joe, and now here it is, Brad. Joe Hollins began caring for Jonathan when he worked uh, at at the uh, as the St. Helena's vet, and uh, although now he's retired, he keeps looking after the tortoise. Mm -hmm. um, so this tortoise has been around since, I mean, since the 1800s, He's two world wars and they actually have a photo, although I don't have it, mm -hmm. but they have a photo um, of him from when he, um... oh, there it is. Look, I do have it. I do have it. There's a photo of him in 1886 and it's next to his brother, George, who's dead. But, um, but, but no, so, so we're talking about a 200 year old tortoise here. Who knew? Well, certainly I didn't know. I, 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 no, I knew that Tortai could live to be, uh, you know, a, a fairly significant age. I had no idea they could make it to 200. How bummed out do you think Jonathan the tortoise is to still be living in this day and age? I mean, I, I, he's got to wake up every morning and go, oh, are you kidding me? 
I'm still here. I, I thought I would get uh, to play some video games with my buddy, but he shot his mom. So now I can't. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, it's got to be depressing for uh, Jonathan the tortoise. And you know what? He, he The only thing he's holding on for is to see those Kennedy records. And then he's done. Yeah, that's that's worth hanging on for. That's worth, you know, it, it could be worth the wait. Rob will let us know. He's apparently just eating garbage. There's like video. He's 190 years old, just eating like garbage. Nah, he can eat whatever he wants. He's 190 years old. How do they know it's the same turtle from the black and white photo? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know much about, you know, sort of turtle identification from a photo particularly, but uh, maybe there's something about the shell or, or something. So when, something. He, when he arrived, he was 50 years old. When he arrived on St. Helena, he was 50. Is what this and says. then he just spent the next 150 years there? <laughs> yeah, it was at least 50. It might have been 100. He might have he might have been around when Washington was alive. Well, I, I mean, again, I, the the older he is, the worse I feel for him, right? Because he's gone from uh, you know a world that you know perhaps was not so nuts to one that is definitely nuts. And again, he must uh, he must have about had it. But he seems to be uh, he seems to be a jovial fella, sprite, very sprite. Yeah. Well, there it is, Brad. That's a feel good story people could take home, take it for the holidays. Uh, you know, regale your kids with it. Jonathan the tortoise. And, and, you know, with our luck, he'll probably be dead by new year's Eve. Yeah. We're, we, yeah, we should be, we got to be careful about who we talk about. We're going into the hot zone as we call it, where, uh, you know, we can condemn people to death simply by mentioning them. We do not want to be, we're already being held responsible for Betty white. We do not want to be responsible for Jonathan the tortoise and listen, <laughs> Kirstie Alley was dead when we found her. All right. And if you're wondering who we might talk about and if it might be you, and just tune in right back here next week on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome. <laughs>